name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Fellow redeemed, have you ever climbed or journeyed to the top of a mountain? Now, when I say mountain, I mean a mountain, not just a large hill, but a mountain, like one you would see in the Appalachian Mountains or the Rocky Mountains. And while the journey up is certainly difficult, the view at the top is incredible. With nothing blocking your view, you can see the beauty of God's creation for miles and miles and miles. And with the other mountains and valleys laying below you, you feel a sense of of power and thrill, standing on what seems to be the top of the world. And so to journey to the top of a mountain is an experience one wouldn't soon forget. The gospel for this day places us on a very high mountain with Peter and James and John. And what they experience on that mountain isn't what they were expecting. Neither is it something that they would forget. Six days prior to this journey, Peter gave that wonderful confession of Jesus. You remember? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet upon hearing Jesus' words, how Jesus would go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day rise, Peter didn't like this. He didn't want to hear about pain. He didn't want to hear about suffering. He didn't want to hear about death, especially to the Lord that he loved. And so it is that Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. Far be it from you, Lord. This should never happen to you, he says. And yet, Jesus, in response, rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It was six days after this conversation that Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. It's here where Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. There on that mountaintop, what had been hidden under Jesus' humanity, the divinity of Jesus shines forth. In rays of brilliant glory, Jesus reveals on that mountaintop the truth that St. Paul writes about. In Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Fellow redeemed, can you imagine what it must have been like for Peter and James and John to be on that mountaintop to witness Jesus revealing himself that he is, in fact, God in human flesh and blood? It must have been an incredible experience. 
And yet, while the transfiguration of Jesus is remarkable in and of itself, there's more to this mountaintop experience. St. Matthew writes, Behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Jesus is seen with Moses, the Old Testament Moses, who died on Mount Nebo 15 centuries earlier. It was Moses who had received God's law on Mount Sinai and whose face shone because he was in the presence of God. You've heard that in our Old Testament for this day. And not only was there Moses, but there was Elijah. You remember Elijah, right? He would never died, but was taken up into heaven by God through a whirlwind nine centuries earlier. Elijah was a true prophet, surrounded by false prophets. He condemned idolatry, as was seen by his defeat at the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. So to all of this, Peter wanted to stay and bask in this mountaintop experience. He says to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We can hardly blame Peter for this, right? We all love those mountaintop experiences of life as well. There are times in life where God blesses us with them. The birth of a child or grandchild. The gift of a spouse. The graduation from school or even retiring after years of work. We should rejoice and give thanks to God for these moments, these blessings. Yet, what happens when the view isn't the greatest? What happens when you're not on top of the world, but in the valley of sorrow? What happens when you experience illness? What happens when there's strained relationships? What happens when there's the loss of a loved one? It's in these Moments in these valleys of sorrow where Satan loves to say to you, look at everything that's going on around you. God doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. If he did, he wouldn't allow this stuff to happen to you. How easy it is for the sinful flesh to listen to him. To fall For his lies. We're tempted to believe what we see with our eyes and what we feel with our hearts. We're tempted to place our trust in what's going on around us instead of listening to the Word of God. We long for those mountaintop experiences and we do whatever we can to avoid the valleys. Peter wanted to stay on that mountain. He wanted to bask in its incredible moment, far removed from the labors and sorrows that waited him at the bottom of the mountain. And so he asks, Jesus, if you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And yet, 
as he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Here, God the Father speaks, silencing Peter. And with these words, he's essentially saying, pay attention, Peter. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him because of what he's accomplishing in his perfect life, his perfect obedience to me. And what he will be accomplishing in his suffering and death on the cross. In fact, that's what Moses and Elijah and Jesus are talking about. So when Jesus tells you, Peter, that he's going to Jerusalem, he'll go down this mountain to suffer and die and rise from the dead, listen to him. Don't place your trust in mountaintop experiences. Don't go by what you see or feel. Listen to Jesus. Fellow redeemed, what took place on that mountaintop of transfiguration stuck with Peter. Years later, he writes, We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. You can imagine that this mountaintop experience, along with seeing Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, would have strengthened Peter to boldly confess Jesus crucified. And it would have strengthened him to endure persecution and even to suffer a martyr's death. When we're not on those mountaintops of life, but in the valleys of sorrow, it's possible to long for some sort of incredible miracle. That Jesus would suddenly appear and perform some sort of miracle in order to strengthen our faith through the valleys of life. And yet, listen to what Peter goes on to say in our epistle. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. In other words, you have something more reliable. You have something more trustworthy than any sign or wonder, than any mountaintop experience. You have the pages of Holy Scripture. And it's here where Jesus himself speaks to you. You're to listen to him and what he says to you. It's here in these pages where Jesus reveals that in order to save you from sin and death and the devil, he lived a perfect life for you. Not only that, he bore in his flesh your sin and carried it up to another mountain, the mountain of Calvary. And there on that mountain, there on the cross, he suffered the Father's wrath for your sin. He died the death 
that you deserve so that you may have his life. Fellow redeemed, it's this mountaintop experience that's at the heart of our faith. We don't always understand what God's doing in our lives in the mountaintop experiences or in the valleys of pain and sorrow, and yet we don't trust in what we see with our eyes or feel with our hearts. We're called to listen to Jesus, to listen to Him and to trust His Word, to hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. This is our highest priority in our lives. For through his holy word, we're hearing the voice of God in Jesus Christ. Having made you his beloved son or daughter in the waters of holy baptism, he applies the glorious benefits of the cross to you through his word of absolution, his word of forgiveness. And though at times you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you have nothing to fear. God's word says he's with you. He promises to lead you through those dark days. You can trust his word. Believe his word, for it's backed by the innocent suffering and death of Jesus and his glorious resurrection from the dead. Oh, redeemed, it shouldn't come as a surprise as to why we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord this day, this last Sunday in the season of Epiphany. This event is considered the pinnacle, the high point, the climax of Jesus' epiphanies, his manifestation that he's true God in human flesh and blood. And yet, as wonderful as this moment is, We see that we can't stay on this mountaintop. The bright, shining season of Epiphany must give way to the penitential season of Lent. And so as Jesus descends from the mountain of transfiguration, setting his face to Jerusalem to be lifted up on the cross on Mount Calvary, let us descend with him into the days of his passion. And as we descend with him, let us listen to him who endures our death so that we could have his life and behold his glory in its fullness in the life to come. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.